favor of the Lord surrounds you as a shield. By Jesus' stripes, you were healed. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Haven't you heard about Jesus of Nazareth? He was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He never turned one away. He still doesn't. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this day that you've given us to come here and worship your children. Your children have come here to worship you, that is, not worship your children. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us and teaching us how to love with your perfect love, the agape kind of love that we find in and through you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence here with us today. We just ask and thank you for your anointing that rests on your word, on your servant, to deliver a message of healing, empowerment, love, and prosperity to all who hear this message. And we just thank you in advance. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Talking about the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. This important thing to remember is the source of all nine gifts and all of the nine characteristic fruit. The source of all of them is the Holy Spirit. Amen. But we've been working off of that list, found in Galatians chapter 5, I think down around the 23rd, 24th verse. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's God's character. Also, right there in that same chapter, you'll see a whole laundry list of Attitudes and behavioral characteristics that are not of God. I'll just let you look at those on your own. It says we're looking into the righteous mirror of the Word of God. In other words, when we see the reflection off of the words we read as we're looking into it, it should look, we should look like Jesus, you see. We should line up with the Word of God as Jesus did. He's our example. So, something rubs you the wrong way, just like a cat, just turn her around and keep rubbing. That's the definition of repentance. Change in mind that brings about a change in attitude and actions regarding the things of God. Amen. Last week was Mother's Day, and we were talking about love, which is the foundational fruit of all the nine. It's primary to all the fruit. Jesus is always our foundation, but the first of the fruit is love. 
And that's for a reason. Without, without love, nothing else matters. As it explains to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, as we call, affectionately call the love chapter. He says you can give all that you have and offer up your body, your money, and do everything right. In other words, you can be as religious as they come. Hold yourself to the highest standards of living. But if the motivation isn't true love, love for God's people, love for the kingdom of God, then it profits you nothing. That's what it says. So love's important, isn't it? We discovered last week that there's four different words for love in the Greek and that we operate primarily in the first few, which are good and necessary, but love for family and sexual love and brotherly love and friendship, those are all great. But the real one that binds them all together and brings about the proper motivation and is the litmus test for the disciple of, of the Lord is the agape love of God, which is like Jesus being the example, the willingness to lay down your life for the brethren. That means the church. The good news is it's not a feeling. It's not dependent upon emotions or feelings. It's a choice. That was great news when I found that out. Because I was afraid I had missed it. But when I knew I had a part to play, and as long as I kept choosing right... And rejecting the ungodly feelings and telling the Holy Spirit, my choice is your way and I'm not going by these feelings and would you work on the feelings for me? I believe that's a great prayer that's acceptable and honest with God and he likes it. And in fact, I know that to be true. Amen? Amen. I want to delve into something today which will be the next fruit of the Spirit, the joy. Love, joy, peace. Yeah. Because I think there's a hope, there's a, a real lack of joy in the world today. And it's important. And at 2 o'clock this morning, 2.30, 3, I don't know, <laughs> the Lord was... He just really had a hold of me. And he was really sharing some things. And if I wouldn't have had to be here this morning, I, I probably would have seen the sun come up because he just had me enthralled in the Word. <laughs> but I wanted to be here this morning, don't get me wrong. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to come crawling in with closed eyelids, so... <laughs> So I went to bed, knowing that he would pick it up again here today. Amen? Amen.
And other, all of those nine lit the fruit of the Spirit that I listed. Again, it's important that we understand the human personality through God's eyes in order to understand those fruit. Because fruit must be cultivated. It's not something like a gift that's just opened up whenever we're here and of use, make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit. And someone needs a gift from God and it's a, it's a, it's a situation where it might be a, a crisis or a sickness or something like that. And you're here and you say, I'm here, Lord, use me. And you're just the conduit. And he, he gives that gift. You unwrap it for this person and hand it to him. Amen. One time, done. But the fruit is abiding. And it must be developed, strengthened, worked out. Amen. To understand that, we have to understand a scripture that I use a lot. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Way back in the back. All the T's. Timothy, Titus, First and Second Thessalonians. One more there with a T somewhere. It's five, I think. <laughs> when you find it, tell me where it is. Just kidding. First and Second Thessalonians come before Tim. First and Second Timothy, and then Titus. That's why there's five. Two Timothys. First Thessalonians 5.23. Underline this. Write it on your refrigerator. Plant it deep in the garden of your heart and water it. Cause it to grow and take root and bear fruit. Amen. You need to know this. In other words, Paul says at the end of this letter to the church in Thessalonica... Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely or wholly and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He is faithful. Amen. But here Paul is showing the Holy Spirit is right is having Paul write down for us how the human being is made up. We're we're three part beings, just like our Father in heaven. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We have a spirit, a soul, and a body. Our body we're very aware of. <clears throat> our soulish realm we're aware of. It's our our mind, our will, our emotions, you see. We can discern things with our soulish realm and our and our body. We cannot with our spirit. That's where faith comes in and that's where this word comes in and that's where the help and the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, our paraclete, the one who comes alongside and takes together a hold together with as he helps us through this life. Spirit, soul, and body. The point of this is that there's a different sort of, in the human characteristics of the human personality, there's a different type of satisfaction 
that we look for in each part of our personality. And just to make it simple and probably oversimplified, but the body, I would say, what we're generally looking for in the body is pleasure. To satisfy the body. And in our soul, our soulish realm, it's happiness. Everybody wants to be happy. Pursuit of happiness. It's good to be happy. But in our spirit, it's joy. If it were a beautiful day outside, which every day is beautiful, this is the day the Lord has made. Amen. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. But just say it's a beautiful 70 degree day and sun is out and Joey and Barbara are riding down beautiful country road on a brand new gold wing having just cashed in a winning lottery ticket fed all the hungry in town and bought everybody they know a house <laughs> feeling good they're happy amen But, you take that, take that bike away and that money away and that sunshine away and you put this wonderful man walking down that same country road with his wife and no way to provide for her, no way to shelter her, no way to really comfort her at all. He is not a happy man. At that point, I promise you that. There's no pleasure in the body, and there's no happiness in the soul. But there can be joy. Without God, there can't, but with God, there can. I want to look at an example of this, a couple people quickly. Psalm 43 Somewhere right around the middle. This bit. Well, it's before the prophets. <laughs> I should just write these down. So I write the scripture number down, but I don't write the scripture down. So that gives me trouble. All right. Psalm 43, verse 4. This is by the psalmist David. King David wrote these. these this, this part of the psalm. But it says, and I just, want to, I just want to explain that David, when he wrote this, or when he, what he's writing about when he wrote it, I don't know if he wrote it during or, or if he was recalling Events, But David had hard, hard times. I don't know if you remember that, but David, he was anointed king when he was a little boy, and he definitely wasn't king for many years. 
He was chased to be killed by the king who he was had favor with. And then the, the devil brought an evil spirit into Saul and he sought to kill David. He was jealous of him. Gave him a wife and took it back. Gave her to somebody else. David, and even once, you know, I mean, many times he went through stuff. He was in another nation and he had to pretend to be crazy one time so they wouldn't kill him. His own men sought to kill him at times. They they were raided and and all of their families were stolen while they were off fighting and then all of their worldly goods and everything, all their possessions. And his men even thought about killing him at one time. He had to hide in caves and things like that. David had hard times. And even after he became a king, believe me, he he made he was not a good father. He was he had a lot of time and he and, and sometimes he didn't spend his time wisely. When he should have been off fighting wars, he was sleeping till noon and then checking out porn across the way. <laughs> Got himself into trouble. Nothing against David. God said he was a man after his own heart. Because of all those things? No. But because when David was called upon or called on the carpet for messing up, you know, he came down off his throne and got on his hands and knees and repented before God. Nevertheless, I just wanted to tell you that David had some tough times. And he said here in Psalm 43... Four. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. David knew, even though everything around him was bad in the natural, no pleasure in his body, no happiness in his soul, he knew that he could go to God, the source of his joy and well-being. No matter what the situations No matter what the circumstance, David was under great pressure. Things weren't going well, and he went to God. That's a wise thing to do. We need to have that relationship. We need to ask ourselves, do we have that sort of relationship with God? That's important. When we have no pleasure in our lives, no happiness... Everything is insecure instead of secure in our lives. We just feel helpless and hopeless. Have you ever been there? Uh, I, spent, I spent a great deal of my life there. Even from the time I was a little boy, I had nightmares that were so atrocious that... And I was being chased and eaten by, I think, a lion or a monster or something. I don't know. (laughs) But if you have this relationship, this where your spirit 
is in direct contact with God's Spirit, then there can be joy. The source of all joy is right there in that place. No matter what's going on around you, God's truth, which is Jesus, He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by or through me. God's truth provides a path for you to follow. You can find that in 1 John 2.27. And God's light, 1 John 5.1, provides a clear vision for that path. Amen? So if we're surrounded by darkness and uncertainty, we can follow God's light and His truth, and He will guide us back to a place of security. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Sometimes you just need a reboot. (laughs) And so you got to go back to the maker. There's another fellow named Habakkuk. That's where I was last night. It's just three chapters, so it's easy to read. Most people skip over it because it doesn't really speak to them, but I'm telling you, it can speak so loudly to you. There are no minor prophets. You got the major prophets, you know, Isaiah and Ezekiel and all that, and then they call the minor prophets the ones with the little short books, but there's nothing minor about them. You can glean great things from God through these prophets and there was one named Habakkuk and in chapter 3 verses 17 and 18 I'll read them to you though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines the produce of the olives fail and the fields yield no food the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Amen. Everything with Habakkuk, just like with David, had gone wrong. And you see in these three chapters, I love it because it's just, it's just a perfect type of example of how it just goes back and forth. He complains a little, then he praises a little, and he goes back and forth with God. And in the end, he just says, I'm just going to praise God. Nothing was going right, just like it wasn't with David when he wrote that. But their decision, their decision wasn't based on their Emotions or their feelings, they decided to go to the Lord. I want you to understand it's a choice. We have a part to play. Just like every relationship in this life, you have a part to play. That's good news, though. 
to the believer. How about all the millions of people sitting in churches today and their preachers telling them, whatever you're going through, God is just teaching you something. God put that on you. And it's a lie. If everywhere you're at is where you're supposed to be and God did it to teach you a lesson, what do you say to the prostitute? What do you say to the crackhead downtown? What do you say to those who just lost a young spouse or a child? Churches are telling their people that God did that and expecting them to have a positive response to God. And it's crazy. It's demonic is what it is. One of the greatest Christian artists out there who continues to put Christian hit after hit after hit out. And I won't name his name, but he lost a little child and he believes that God did that. And he worked and struggled his way through it. And he still gives joy to the Lord. But believe me, he is not he is atypical. There are people out there by the thousands and millions, I would even venture to guess, that hate God, they're angry with God because somebody told them some foolish thing like that. And they said, any God that would do that, I don't want no part of it. And you know what? He didn't do it. So they run right into the arms of the devil who did do it. And they need to be told these things. They need help. They need to be healed everywhere they hurt. They need to be empowered by the truth of God's word and his light. His truth. They need to be loved with the real love of God. And they need to prosper because of it. In the midst of adversity. In the midst of their storms. They need to know that they can decide to choose God and they can have joy even when there's exceeding great pain and heartache and hardship and darkness in their lives. The Lord is our joy. And those situations and circumstances may change. The Lord doesn't. He is our rock. He is steadfast and He is faithful. I remember times before knowing the Lord. Oh, so many, too many. And thankfully the Lord has diminished the memories so much that I try only to have to draw on that junk to minister to others. But oh, the pain. And the, I remember so many times. That's what I was doing last night. I was comparing before and after pictures in my mind and I can remember the torment and the agony and the darkness and despair of the things that I you know I'd brought into my own life and all the different lives I had lived. I would I would finally the Lord would get me up out of the muck and mire and I didn't even know him but he was sparing my life every time and he would set me set my feet on the ground again and try to try to bless me and try to give me a life, try to give me things, and I would sabotage every effort he made to bless me in my life. And I would get right back in the muck and mire and just the dread and the shame and the 
anger and bitterness and hurt. And there was no joy to be found. All I could do was seek out the provision or the things that I thought would bring me happiness in my soul and pleasure in my body because all that I knew was my soulish realm and my body. You see, that's where the world is. That's all they know. They don't understand that there's a sixth sense that they're unaware of, that there is someone who is longing, who died on, on the cross on their behalf to come into relationship with them and wants to come alongside and help them and guide them. But then, there's other times. I remember since. I was listening to a message last week. I had my AirPods in, so it was quiet, but I was sitting with my wife and I just... I couldn't take it anymore. I had to take them off. And she said, what is wrong? And I, I was listening to a, one of my own sermons from a year ago. And I remember, and I was listening to myself, and I, I remembered being there. And it was so, I would pause I would pause. I kept pausing. And then I'd pick it up again and I'd pause. And I remember I'd cut half an hour out of this message before I posted it up. So this is what was left, the good stuff. But for half an hour I had to sit down in the middle of the sermon. I was I maybe having a heart attack. I don't know. what. But then I got up and I finished. I remember George being there with me, Alamon, and he wanted to take me to the hospital. I wouldn't let him. I said, no, I'll finish the, the word the Lord has given me. But I was nearly dead. Nearly dead. I remember from January all the way to J- July the 15th when I had the surgery, I was nearly dead. And for years prior... I was pretending to be okay and I was really, really hurting and sick. But (laughs) I had the joy of the Lord. I remember being in the hospital in recovery after being sawn in half and enduring feeling of pain and a craziness waking up going, oh, this can't be real. This hurts way too bad. But I remember laying in one of the places they pushed me around to that first day or two to get more blood taken, more x-rays, this. And I was just laid on a gurney in the middle of some room that they'd waiting on the technician to get there for whatever. And I just remember how awful and dark it was, how painful and scary it was. But I just began to sing the song, Jesus. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name, Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance 
after the rain. And then voices began to join in with me. I thought it was angels. And I was able to look over and there was a lady sitting there with her mama. And she began, she was singing. And it's like the whole heavenly host joined in and it was anointed and it was beautiful and it was God. And I remember as the song was ended that there were people who had come that worked there who were just standing and watching and listening. And I remember hearing a girl say, what was that? And I turned my head like this as I was laying there and the girl was like standing in a doorway as that went over there. And, the, and I heard the lady over here say, that's praise and worship. We were just praising our God. And I had joy. And I remember thinking, even now, God is, is, is answering my prayer because my, my prayer was that I would go through it well. <laughs> and that miraculous things would happen during the midst of the, the trials and that people would come to know the Lord. I'm still praying for all the doctors and nurses. <laughs> but the joy of the Lord is our strength, you know. Only a believer has access to this continuous joy. That's something that is important. Because without salvation, none of this is really possible. People can work on um, positive energy and, I mean, you know, all the different things that they do and try. But believe me, none of it is really lasting. Because it's all just designed for the soulish realm. And happiness depends on happenings. And pleasure, the same. So, we need the joy of the Lord, don't we? This abiding fruit of the Spirit. Because it, it doesn't come from the soul, it comes from the Spirit. Romans 5.2 is another scripture, and I'm, I'm going to be brief here today. Romans 5, chapter 2, it says, it's sort of a progression of the joy of the Lord. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verse 2, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The, the first thing is to have the hope of the of the uh, of, in the Lord. Our hope is in Jesus, in His return, in our eternal destiny, in our eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. So we have to have that hope first. The next thing He talks about is that we also joy in our tribulations. 
this English Standard Version uses a different text, but uh, translation. But that's what he's talking about: is the joy of the Lord. The first thing it produces joy of the Lord is the hope in the Lord. The second thing is, uh, and it's a hard one, but we joy in our tribulations. That's a hard one, but if we, if you remember the previous messages, we've been talking about how uh, fruit has to be cultivated and and worked out and, and strengthened and built up. And so, if we know that, then we know that our tribulations build character. So, we joy in our tribulations even. Paul, when he wrote this, he was in prison. He was elderly. He didn't have warm clothing. He was writing, he had written for the, the, the parchments that he wanted the word and he wanted a warm cloak that he had left somewhere else to be brought to him and he was awaiting probably certainly knowing by then I would say that he was going to be executed under this uh, tyrannical leader that had uh, come into being in power in Rome, uh, Nero who was awful and he was eventually executed But the last thing is that he, we joy in God himself. And the last thing, that third thing, is really the mark of the maturity of a Christian. Because joy, we find, is not found in a blessing or in a provision or in a, relation, a person or relationship with someone. But in God himself, in that personal relationship. Right there in Acts, if you'll just back up one book, chapter 13, verse 52, and I'm done. It says, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Acts Chapter 13, verse 52, that the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. That sounds all very nice and very good, doesn't it? But you, just like with everything, I'm always trying to help us to learn to the life of Jesus, to walk with him and to kind of envision the life of Jesus and get to know him on a personal level. And I usually do that up around Easter and help us to walk with him in the few weeks leading up to that and just to get to know him a little bit better. That's when I spend time trying to get people to understand the man. But the disciples in, in, in this time, they're, they're writing about Paul and Barnabas. They had, to had, they had to leave them there alone. Christians were not popular people in that culture. They were being killed. In droves, they would be taken into the Colosseum and uh, other areas, uh, Colosseum type stadiums all around. It's like we have football stadiums, whatever the place for local entertainment was. That's where the Christians would be taken, and they would be they would make sport of them, feed them to. They would turn lions and wild animals loose on them and let them devour them. They would burn them in front of people at the stake. Yeah, but these Christians, it says, they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Not in the Bible, but in, in, in historical writings that a lot of people believe turn to. They they talk about these 
these Christians, they said, man, these, these certain type of people are good and these certain type are, are pretty good at certain things. But these Christians, man, they love everybody. And you know, that's what ended up turning Rome to Christianity is they were doing these atrocities to Christians and they would volunteer. You know? That's really faith. That's really believing. Hey, you know, I, my life, there's only darkness around me. There's no hope here. I mean, there's just, there's just ugliness and darkness and mistreatment and pain and suffering. And, and hey, if, uh, if I get to go, if I get to go and they get to see my faith in action, maybe some others will get saved. And you know what? I get to be with the Lord. Just like Paul saying, I, I, I'm in prison and, and things are bad for me here. You know, as he was writing a, a, almost half of this New Testament, through most of it was written in prison. But he says, I'm torn between whether I want to stay here and be a blessing to you guys, because I need to impart more to you, or go home and be with the Lord. I don't know. Both are good. It's a win-win. You can't hurt me. What can man do to me? Amen? The disciples didn't have any natural reason to be joyful. But they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Which brings up a point. It's impossible to be filled with joy without the Holy Spirit. Because it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You gotta be saved. You gotta have this vessel that he can take up residence in. And for them to do that, it has to evict that sinful nature, the old daddy Satan, that Adam and Eve did to us. We, you know, you might have been, you might be the biggest sinner in the world, but you didn't bring it on yourself. You came with it. <laughs> so you have to get that spirit evicted, and then the Holy Spirit will come in and take up residence, renew your spirit, and seal it, incorruptible. With the promised Holy Spirit. Amen. Not only is it impossible to be filled with joy without the Holy Spirit, but it's also impossible to be filled with the Holy Spirit and not have joy. You say, well, I don't, I don't have to. No, I mean access to it. It's there. You can go to God. You can draw upon the provision of the Holy Spirit within you. Amen. Don't doubt that. And the more you practice His presence, the easier it will be. At first, it, it's like, I'm going to pray for half an hour. You, know? it's like you pray, you start praying, you pray for everybody you know, everything you hear about on the news, peace of Jerusalem, everything else. Say, wow. All right, three minutes. Okay. <laughs> Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is our strength. You want to be strong? You want to be victorious? You want to walk above only and not beneath? You want to be the head and not the tail? These are promises. These are things that have already been granted to you. Learn how to seek the Lord. Run to the altar. Run to God. Don't run from Him. 
the problem with human beings is that as long as they think they can handle things without God, they'll, they'll try. Can I just share with you, you, you can't handle anything without God. All you got to do is just stir up the chemicals up here in your brain. You can't even walk across that, that floor. It's He who has given you the power to obtain wealth and, and, and to do everything that you've ever done, everything that you want to do. And you know what? He's got dreams way bigger than anything you've ever dreamed of. If it's something that you've decided, hey, this is my goal, this is my dream, and I think if I do everything just right and I balance my body, I can, I can get this done. That's not God. His is the one you go, <laughs> yeah, right. I'll have to win that lottery, a bunch of them. Are you talking about? No. God wants it to make it so seemingly impossible that you have to say, hey, 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 y'all, with God, all things are possible. Let me tell you what he has done in my life. I had a dream, and I didn't share it with many people because I, I, didn't, I got tired of being ridiculed and laughed at. But God got on to me about that one day, and I started sharing it and talking it up, and next thing you know... Everything was pointing in that direction. Amen. I'll give you one more scripture in closing. Final close. Psalm 30. Psalm 30. And I'm trying to get to the fifth verse, so I'll read the first five. <laughs> and that's the last thing I'm going to say. And then we'll pray. Amen. Psalm 30. Again, the psalmist David. We know his solution to everything when it goes bad, don't we? Listen to what he says here. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O oh Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O oh Lord, you have brought up my soul from shield, from hell. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O oh you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. He's talking to us now. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Father, we thank you for this day and for your precious word. We thank you that your joy is an abiding fruit of the Spirit of God, and we can come to you, rush boldly into the throne room of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find favor in the time of need. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to depend upon our emotions or happenings in this life or the pleasure of our bodies or the happiness of our souls. We can have joy in all situations and circumstances with your help, God. And we thank you and we love you for it, for making this permanent provision for our lives. Help us to learn to walk in it and to share it with others. In Jesus' name, amen.